Well, good morning, church. Today I'm going to be talking about powerful emotions and poor decisions. So grab your Bible, get something to take notes on, and let's dig into the Word of God because all of us understand how important decisions are. They, they shape our lives. It's like uh, someone has said, decisions determine destiny. They go so far in shaping the outcome of our existence on this planet. But the problem is, the challenge is emotions that uh, our emotions can become so powerful they they cause us to make bad decisions decisions that hurt ourselves or hurt other people and so today we want to talk about that because we see it so much in our culture today here at the First Baptist Church, we're having our first on-campus in-person worship services, and, and there are people who are really excited, and their emotions are, you know, out the roof, and, and they're so happy to be in worship in person. There are others who are afraid and concerned, and so they're not able to come yet, and emotions play into that, and look at what's going on in our country today with the reactions to the death of George Floyd up in, uh, up in Minnesota, and all of the, the protests that are taking place in our country and and how the emotions are are there to you know expressing hurt and pain and frustration and on the part of some anger and and that boils over with some and then others get in there and and, and we see that some of the protests turn uh, the turn into riots it's, it's a very emotional time and and even before that the the disagreements about shelter in place and stay-at-home orders and and the people in michigan who in who went into the the capitol building if you will some carrying assault rifles and and uh, some getting in the face of security guards and just shouting and screaming just nose to nose at those security guards we all understand how powerful emotions can be but sometimes if we're not careful emotions can lead us to make decisions that are not the wisest decisions the best decisions the ones that are in our self-interest so to speak long term and, and can even cause us to make decisions that do not honor God and do not bless our family so I want to talk about that today we, we, we've known we've always known that it, that emotions are powerful and they influence decisions but as parents we especially see that in our teenagers don't we grandparents see it in teenagers and we worry about them that they'll do something you know rash or take a risk they shouldn't have and and some of that is because they're young and don't have as much experience as we have but part of it is also just because of the way the brain develops we understand that uh, you know the brain develops and all the way up to about age 25 or 26 and the part of the brain that handles emotions and feelings and reactions develops early but that part of the human brain that develops the ability to reason and to think and to make decisions and to be rational is one of the last things that develop and it's not fully developed until around age 25 and that's the reason that sometimes teenagers will be impulsive or they'll take risk it's because the emotions are so strong so powerful and it overpowers them it overrules their thinking their logic their reason their decision making and so all of us struggle with it the truth is can, can we just be honest for a minute it's like some of us are perpetual teenagers is it it's like we some of us just struggle to ever grow up and allow the part of the brain that uses reason and thinking and and rationality that that we we, we struggle to allow that part of our brain to override the emotional part of our brain and so there, there are times in our lives whether we're 35 or 55 or even older that emotions become so real and so powerful whether it's for good or bad that they drive our decision 
making they can be so powerful and i want to remind us of something that jesus christ said in matthew 15 he said for out of the heart come evil thoughts out of the heart come comes murder adultery sexual immorality theft, false witness and slander jesus said we really need to pay attention to ourselves we need to have self-awareness because it's on the inside of us that these impulses these emotions these feelings if we're not careful cause us to do things we regret cause us to do things that are sinful and that are wrong and so jesus said you better pay attention to what is on the inside because these emotions are real and they are powerful and we see them at work in the life of jesus so if you have your bible in mark chapter 15 jesus is on trial and then he's going to be crucified and buried. And that story is found in Mark 15. So open your Bible there. And, and you see on display in this chapter, in this story of Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion, you see emotions on display in certain individuals and certain groups and how they, how they treated Jesus, how they re responded to Jesus. And you say, all right, preacher, what emotions are you talking about? Well, just for example, we see the emotion of envy or jealousy. We see the emotion of fear, the emotion of disdain, just looking at someone with, with disdain. And, and let me ask, have you ever felt any of those? Have you ever been jealous of somebody? you ever been envious of somebody and it affected how you acted? Have you ever been afraid and your fear caused you to do things that uh, you knew were not right? Have you ever thought you were better than somebody else? Have you ever had that, just, that, that impulse that you just kind of looked down at somebody? I think if we're honest, all of us have to admit we've had different emotions like these at times in our own lives. And Jesus experienced them from other people as they looked at him. And, and so let's look at this real quickly and see what God can show us. First, the, the emotions of, of envy and jealousy. Jesus was on trial before the Roman governor of Judea. His name was Pilate. And uh, something interesting, in Mark chapter 15 and, and verse 10, look at this with me for just a moment. In verse 10, here's what it says about Pilate. It says that he was aware that the chief priest had handed him, had handed Jesus over because of envy. It says that Pilate, the Roman governor, knew that the religious leaders of Judaism who had brought Jesus to him, asking Pilate to have Jesus crucified, executed, he knew the reason they were doing that was envy jealousy they were jealous of jesus popularity with the people they viewed him as a threat and they wanted to deal with it and so envy motivated them to 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 bring jesus forward and say Pilate, deal with this man crucify him what about the the emotion of fear you see, Pilate, who was the Roman governor that, that was, you know, had Jesus on trial, and, and, and he, had, he had the authority to release Jesus or sentence him to death. And Pilate wanted to release him. He didn't think Jesus had done anything worthy of execution. He didn't find any fault in him. And in fact, the Gospels tell us that Pilate's own wife, the evening before the trial, had a dream about Jesus, and it bothered her so much that she sent word to Pilate, don't do anything to this man, let him go. And that's what Pilate wanted to do. But there was a crowd, and there was a mob, and they had different ideas. And, and so Pilate had an idea himself. It was his custom during the Feast of Passover when this is taking place to release a prisoner to the people. And, and, and he thought about, I want to release Jesus to you. That's what I do every year, release a prisoner. Let me release Jesus. Can't find any fault in him. But the crowd shouted out, no, we want Barabbas, who had been arrested during an insurrection and was in jail for murder. 
and uh, they, they said no we want Barabbas and and so Pilate gave in not because he wanted to he wanted to release Jesus but the Bible tells us that Pilate was afraid there would be a riot if he did not give in to the crowd and so he released Barabbas and ordered Jesus to be executed by crucifixion and so here's an example of a man who knew what the right thing to do was but he didn't do it because he was afraid of the crowd's reaction and if there had been a right even though he was the governor it would have made him look bad in the eyes of the emperor in Rome let me ask you have you ever done anything that you knew was not right because of fear have you ever failed to step up and do the right thing, the good thing, because you were afraid of how other people would react? Fear is a very powerful emotion that sometimes causes us to make bad decisions. Another emotion that we see in the story of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion is disdain. Uh, when, when Pilate ordered Jesus to be executed, he turned him over to a cohort of Roman soldiers, 100 soldiers. And the Gospels tell us, especially in Matthew, and you'll see these words on the verses on the, on the screen, that these Roman soldiers took Jesus into a courtyard, and it says that they stripped him. In, in Matthew 27, they stripped him. They took his clothing off, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And then in verse 29, it says, After twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his hand. The idea of an emperor, a king, if you will, wearing a thorn and having a, a staff, a symbol of his authority, and so they mockingly made a, made a crown and, and gave Jesus a reed in his right hand. And then it says they knelt down before him, before Jesus, and they mocked him, saying, Hell, King of the Jews, because Jesus is King of kings. And they were making fun of him. You pretend to be a king. And, and so they were mocking Jesus. And then in verse 30 it says, they, As they would get up off their knees in front of Jesus after mockingly worshiping him, they spoke on Jesus and they took the reed from his hand and they began to hit him on the head see these Roman soldiers hated being in Judea they hated that assignment and they looked with disdain on the Jewish people because there were insurrections the Jews naturally didn't like being subjugated to the Romans and so they never knew when around the corner they might be attacked and they hated that assignment and here was their opportunity these 100 brave soldiers to have some fun with this little piddly Jew in their eyes and so they looked at Jesus with disdain and they mocked him they spit on him and they beat him but that's not all Mark chapter 15 and verse 29 tells us that the crowd which had gathered at the cross for Jesus crucified did something similar. In verse 29 it says, Those passing by were hurling abuse at Jesus and wagging their heads. It means they were just shaking their heads with a disdain. Would you look at that guy? He thought he was somebody. Look at him now. Disdain. Looking down at somebody. Emotions can be powerful. Now think about envy. Think about jealousy. Think about fear. Thinking about disdain. It caused these different individuals and groups to treat Jesus horribly. Let me ask, have you ever treated someone badly because you were jealous of them? Have you ever said something about somebody you shouldn't have said to tear them down a little bit because you were envious of them? Have you ever done something you regret? You did it out of fear. You knew you shouldn't do it, or you knew you should do something, but fear kept you from doing the right thing. Do you have any regrets because fear got the better of you, made you do something you regret? Have you ever 
failed to respect someone the way you should because you thought that perhaps you were smarter than they are or better than they are or prettier than they are or, or whatever the reason, but because you thought you were something different and better and superior to them, it caused you to look down just a little bit at them to make a snide remark about them. See, emotions can be powerful. and They can cause us to say and do things that we know we shouldn't that don't honor God, that, that are not a, a good witness for us as a believer or follower in Jesus Christ. And so there, there are many negative emotions that are very powerful, and we have to be careful because Jesus said if we don't, if we're not careful, then from the inside, from the inside, these powerful emotions cause us to do wrong things, bad things, sinful things. Powerful emotions sometimes make us make poor decisions. But there were two other emotions on display in the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, and they're very positive. One of those is courage, the emotion of courage, a courageous decision that was made by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And in Mark chapter 15, after Jesus had been crucified, and he's still hanging on the cross, his lifeless body, in verse 43, in verse 43 of Mark 15, the Bible says, Joseph of Arimathea came a prominent member of the council. So he was a religious leader among Judaism who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was looking for the Messiah. He was a good man. He was an honest man, a devout man. And the Bible says, and I love this phrase, he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He's the one that buried Jesus. And I love that phrase, he gathered up courage. You see, sometimes we need to make the decision that rather than allowing the powerful negative emotions that sometimes cause us to make poor decisions, we've got to tamp them down. And we have to find the courage. We have to summon up the courage, or as Joseph did, gather up the courage and allow courage to be a motion that drives us to do what is right and what is good, even if it means we have to take some risk in the process even if it means we go against the crowd and against the mob and against the noise that is that is just constantly being hammered into our head and into our hearts there's another powerful positive emotion in this story and it's the emotion of love the truth is love can be the most powerful emotion of all if we allow it to take over our lives and you say steve where do you see the the emotion of love i see it in jesus christ it's the very reason he was here it's the very reason he was allowing them to do all these horrible things to him because he loved us and he was going to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. It was love that put Jesus in this situation. Even though people were allowing their negative emotions to cause them to do harm to Jesus and to hurt Jesus, it was love that kept Jesus there. It was love that kept Jesus on the, cro off the, cro on the cross because being the Son of God, he could have called the angels to rescue him. He could have come down from the cross, but love kept him there and love is a powerful emotion so i want to ask you something are you tired of negative emotions having too much power in your life are you tired of negative hurtful emotions causing you to do things that you end up regretting are you ready to change are you ready to try a new approach and if you are, I want you to listen to me. Here's what I want to suggest you do. I want to suggest that you do two things. Number one, that you stop feeding your emotions and you begin feeding your brain. <laughs> listen, stop feeding your emotions and start 
feeding your mind feed your mind what the word of god because i'll tell you something the more you spend time in the word of god and in the presence of god and the more you not just read the scripture but you engage with it allowing god to speak it into your life and you allow his word to fill your mind and to fill your heart and you uh, open yourself up to him you'll find that the emotions that god wants to grow in you the emotion of love and the emotion of courage and the emotion of of kindness and and the emotion of humility begin to rise up and be stronger and all of these negative emotions that cause us too often to do things that hurt people and even hurt ourselves will become less powerful. They'll become weaker. Listen, listen to what the Scripture says. You, you need to ask God to do something in your life to help you, to help you tamp down these emotions and, and feed your mind. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, the psalmist said this. He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. God, look deep inside me. See what is there. Try me. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. And then in verse 24, he said, And see if there be any hurtful way in me. God, is there anything in me that, that is causing me from the inside to do things, to say things, to make decisions that hurt other people, that hurt myself or my family, that hurt your kingdom? God, that even hurts your heart. God, look inside of me. See what is there. See if there's anything in me that is hurtful, any hurtful way, and lead me in a different path. Lead me in the everlasting way. And I want to ask you right now, are you willing to lay yourself open before God and be honest and say, God, look inside me and show me what is really there. Show me what needs to change. Show me how I can grow. Show me how I can change those emotions. Show me how I can grow and have positive emotions ask god to help you ask god to do a work in your life and then the second thing is this do your part because it's not enough to ask god to speak to you brothers and sisters it's not enough to ask god to help you you also have a part to play in all of this and 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 that part is is feasting on the word of god it is engaging with the word of god with an open heart that says god speak to me talk to me about me god don't talk to me about everybody else god talk to me about me and what i need to do in my life as a disciple of jesus christ listen to what the scripture tells us about the bible about the word of god in second timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 the bible says this all scripture is inspired by god and is profitable there is benefit there, there are things that we gain from Scripture. He says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now notice that, for correction and training in righteousness. How do I train myself to be more righteous as a man of God? How do I train myself to be more righteous as a woman of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ? It's the Word of God. It's profitable. It benefits me because it can correct me, change me, and it can train me to be righteous and then he goes on in verse 17 to say so that the man of god or the woman of god listen to this that the man of god the woman of god may be adequate may be mature equipped for every good work god uses his word to equip us and so let me ask you are you being equipped by the lord are you feasting on his word are you engaging with his word so that god can train and equip you to be righteous to correct and change those things in your life that need that need to be changed that need to be corrected in order for you to become more righteous 
And emotions are a big part of that. I must be willing to allow God to speak into me with his voice about my emotions and how they influence me, how they shape me, how they motivate me to make decisions, whether it is positive emotions that help me make good decisions or powerful negative emotions that sometimes cause me to make poor decisions. I need to be open to what God is trying to show me. I love Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, Do not be conformed to this world, that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are not to be made in the image of our culture. We're not to be made in the image even of our, of, of our heritage at times. We're not to be made in the image of, of, of what the world says. He says instead we are to be transformed be changed we are to be different as corinthians says we are to be new creations or new creatures in christ jesus and so he says in romans 12 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind there it is see i can't change if i'm not willing for my thinking to change i can't grow if I'm not willing to learn things, not just what does the Bible say, but how does it apply to my life? And how does it apply to the, to the way I'm wired and put together? And how does it apply to the way I think and feel, the way I speak and act, the way I make decisions? God, change my mind, transform it so that my thoughts are more like the thoughts of Jesus Christ. Feed my mind, feed my heart, feed my soul every day on the Word of God, and it will change me, and it'll do the same thing for you. And brothers and sisters, the more you become filled with the Word of God, as the Holy Spirit speaks it into you, the more you are filled with His Word, the less powerful these negative emotions become, and then you're able to make better decisions on a more consistent basis. Recently, my wife and I watched the movie Harriet, the relatively new movie about Harriet Tubman. And some of you know her story, others don't. She was a slave in Maryland a few years before the start of the Civil War, and she escaped to freedom in Philadelphia and began working with the Underground Railroad. She would go back to plantations in Maryland and help slaves escape. And through the Underground Railroad, she herself personally rescued more than 70 slaves. During the Civil War, she served in the, Uni the Union Army as a scout and a spy. But what a lot of people who haven't either watched the movie or read much about Harriet Tubman don't know is that she was also a follower of Jesus Christ, and she, she loved one of her favorite Bible verses, and you'll understand why, was Isaiah chapter 16, verse 3, that says, Hide the fugitives, do not pray the refugees. And here's the thing. Harriet Tubman would read the Bible, and she would learn the Bible, and she would memorize the Bible, and, and she started praying it. So all of these verses that she memorized, she turned them into prayer as she worked to rescue slaves, as she served to better the lives of African Americans, and, and actually women. She was part of the suffrage movement after the Civil War. And, and so the Word of God helped to shape her and her thinking, and she would turn it into prayers. For instance, she was speaking with one of her biographers, and and uh, here's what she let me just read the quote to you. She said to her biographer, when I, when I went to the horse trough to wash my face and, and took up the water in my hands, I said, Oh, Lord, wash me, make me clean, quoting the Old Testament Psalms. And then she said, When I took up the towel to wipe my face and hands, I cried, 
Oh, Lord, for Jesus' sake, wipe away all my sin. Again, quoting Scripture. And then she added, When I took up the broom and began to sweep, I groaned, Oh, Lord, whatever sin there be in my heart, sweep it out, Lord, clear and clean. See, as she went through life, whatever she faced, the Word of God shaped her response. And she was conscious of it because she could have allowed so many other things to shape her, but she allowed a righteous cause, a good cause, and the Word of God to be the things that controlled her life. What is it that's shaping you? What is shaping your life? What is the most powerful influence on your decisions, your reactions to the events of life, whether, whether it's events in your personal life or events in our American culture? Where's the Word of God in all of this? Are you feasting on the Word of God? And rather than always looking out the window at everybody else and making comments at everybody else, how much are you being introspective? How much are you into the Word of God and saying, Holy Spirit, search me, look at my heart, and help me to become more righteous. Help me to grow. Help me to learn. Help me to have powerful emotions like love and courage that help me to do what is right and what is good and what honors God. Are your emotions controlled more by the world and by the flesh or by the Word of God? And which one is influencing your decisions and your life? I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, because life is always going to be messy. The world is going to be messy. But we can't allow a messed up world to shape who we are. We must allow the Word of God to speak into us his truth so that we might live the way he is calling us to live. So I want to encourage you, if you've not been reading, and not just reading, but engaging with the New Testament to start doing that, go to our website at fbcrockhill.org, and on the home page you'll see our New Testament reading plan for 2020. And you print that out. Don't worry about catching up with us. We started in January. Just pick up where we are now in June and begin reading a chapter with us five days a week writing in a journal and you'll also see on our website every day monday through friday i release a video of five to eight minutes where i just share some thoughts about the chapter we're reading that day i'm challenging you to engage with us in the word of god so that god can grow you and your emotions your emotions don't control you but the word of god controls you and your decisions in life and your outlook on life. And if you need to pray with a pastor or you want to make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. You can bow your head and commit your life to Christ. And if you want to talk to somebody about your walk with Jesus, I want you to text the keyword Jesus to the number that is on your screen, 803-310-4455, and one of our pastors will be in touch with you. Listen, thank you so much for worshiping Jesus with us today, and I pray that God is growing you. Don't stay where you are. Keep growing. God bless you, and I'll see you next Sunday. Now stay tuned for this final word and one final song.